How did the term Holy Trinity become cemented into Christianity? The Holy Trinity is one of the most well-known terms in all of Christianity. With more than 2 billion Christians worldwide who are familiar with this term to some extent. Is the Holy Trinity simply an orthodox doctrine? Or is there more to the meaning of the Holy Trinity? In this discussion, I will explore the work of an African named Tertullian, who is widely recognized among scholars as the father of Latin theology. And he was the first person to use the term Trinity in his writings. Tertullian could be described as an apologist, Christian theologian, and a Christian author. He held a strong position on sin, controversial views on women, and he could be viewed as one who interpreted the biblical text literally. As an anthropologist, or I should say, as an apologist, he understood the need to stand against the teachings or any philosophies that distorted the teachings of the scriptures and he was known to condemn heresies that existed in his day. I recall a scholar of ancient Christianity or ancient African Christianity noting many Christians believe in the Trinity, but if you ask them to explain it, they may be at a loss for words. Eastman was driving home the clear and unadulterated truth that many Christians believe in the Trinity, but have a terrible time trying to find words explaining it. The truth is, explaining the Trinity is difficult. It's difficult for many Christians. There are any number of reasons that could explain this truth. And at this point, I would like to give a simple truth. Faith and fact are not the same thing. A person can possess faith or belief, and in doing so, through that faith and belief, acquire and obtain and even possess knowledge. Now, that knowledge is not based on experiments. It's not based on tests. It's not based on facts. It's simply based on what one believes. It's knowledge by faith. Another way to look at this, faith is an elective decision that resides in the heart and mind of an individual. There are some interesting studies being conducted in the area of neural theology. Now, that may be a term that many, many of you have not heard of, but neural theology, um, which I'll highlight a little further uh, as I discuss this, is an interesting um, study. Neural theology is a scientific study of the relationship between the brain and spiritual or religious beliefs. In other words, it's a scientific approach to try to understand the relationship between an individual's brain activity compared against their spiritual beliefs or their religious beliefs. This unique field of scientific study 
evaluates the activity of a person's brain when they are in deep spiritual practices such as meditation or prayer. Neurotheology then is quite new. But as it continues to develop, it will be interesting to pay attention to the results of these studies. Now, fact, unlike faith, has to do with truth. It has to do with evidence, has to do with that which can be proved. It has to do with that which can actually be known on the basis of experience or observation. So when we say a Christian believes in the Trinity, we're talking about faith that exists apart from facts. Now, when you speak, and I use facts here now a lot into the in the area of a historical sense rather than a devotional sense. And so as you're listening to this, if your approach is to hear me in a devotional uh, tone or with a devotional ear, I will admit this will be offending. If you can allow yourself to be comfortable with what your faith is devotionally and then allow yourself to hear what we're talking about uh, through uh, a non-devotional approach, then you might catch where I'm going in terms of covering Tertullian and his contributions to the Christian faith. Tertullian was an apologist in accordance with the New, Test New Testament scriptures. Uh, we find that. An apologist is someone who is ready to give a defense for his or her faith. In, in other words, a Christian apologist is a believer in Christ Jesus who explains the reason for his or her hope and faith in Christ using intellectual arguments. It's similar to the work of a lawyer in that it's basically arguing a case in front of others. Tertullian was one of the best Christian apologists we have come to know through his writings. In his writings, for instance, entitled Against Praxius, or Praxius, Tertullian argued the case for the Trinity as he defended Christianity from a perceived erroneous theological idea of the second century known as modalism. In simple terms, modalism is the idea that states the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit are three modes of God. It is like saying God wears different hats at different times. When he created the world, he wore a hat entitled Father or he wore the Father hat. When he came into the world, he wore the Son hat. When he leads a person or a believer to truth by his power, he wears the spirit hat. Within modalism, at no point in time is divinity made up of three distinct beings. One being is being, uh, uh, or I should say one being is wearing three hats at three different times. The problem with modalism is it contradicts scripture and it denies the uniqueness of the father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For example, one of the most meaningful verses in all of the New Testament is, Ma is Matthew 28 and 19, which states, Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
three unique beings possessing divinity are stated and included in that one verse. For Tertullian, modalism was a threat to the correct understanding of the doctrine of God, and he took on the task of explaining divinity which yielding one of its most, which yielded, I should say, one of the most important contributions to the doctrine of the Trinity, which stands, quite frankly, to this day. There is good reason for me to define what is meant by the term divinity. Divinity. For this term can bear different meaning based on the purposes of the spokesman or writer. So as I'm speaking with you, it's important that I define what I mean when I use this term divinity for my purposes the term divinity means divine supreme being possessing divine characteristics and divine traits divinity then is the distinct property that can be possessed in one or more forms in other words i'm saying to you that divinity cannot or is not solely contained or limited to one form. L let me take a closer look at that with you as I try to explain with you in very layman terms how Tertullian explained and approached the relationship between divinity and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Tertullian made his case for the Trinity by explaining the Trinity in Rome, basically doing so by uh, explaining this in Roman legal terms. He understood there was a need to intellectually explain the uniqueness of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, while at the same time presenting his arguments in jargon that was deemed acceptable in society. In other words, Tertullian incorporated one strand of the language. He took an element of the language that was used in his day to explain the truths of God. He was conscious enough to understand that if, if he were to reach the people, he had to be able to make intellectual arguments using language that the people found acceptable. In today's terms, it would be like me explaining the gospel using Ebonics wrapped in hip hop presentation. What am I doing when I do this? I am incorporating one strand of language used in my day in order that the hearer might understand what it is I am communicating. In, in another sense, I'm making con a connection with the listener or the hearer. That's exactly what Tertullian did when he set out to explain the relationship between divinity and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit by using legal jargon that was acceptable in his day. He was using language to make a connection with the people so that he could establish and present his intellectual arguments. Tertullian paved the way for explaining the Trinity by defining two important legal terms and attaching them to divinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. First, Tertullian made use of the Roman term persona which meant a person or entity that own or that can own property. It is important to note that this term um, for person did not apply to all people. Only people who could legally own property under Roman law could be with the term persona 
apply to. Second, Tertullian made use of the Roman term substantia. Substantia is a material or immaterial thing that can be owned or possessed. Now, this ownership or possession can occur, can occur by one or more persons. In Tertullian's argument, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are three unique persona possessing substantia, which is divinity. Divinity, then, can and does exist in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit because each legally possess divinity. The three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, are one substance. That substance is divinity. Tertullian made a significant contribution concerning the Trinity and cementing the Trinity and a intellectual understanding of it into the annals of Christianity. Now, regardless of what you might think about Christianity, the reality is the Trinity is an important doctrine in Christianity. And we will do well to be able to present, to be able to construct, to be able to work our way through intellectual explanation of what we believe that we might rise to the surface and do what is in accordance with what the scripture admonishes to be ready to give a defense.